Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Three Peas in a Pod. I'm Paul Jarvis, editor of Partnerships Bulletin and P3 Bulletin, and I'm joined by my deputy, Jonathan Davis. Hi, Paul. In this episode, we'll discuss the state of the US P3 market, taking stock of an industry that has seen plenty of challenges, as well as some progress. And we'll have a visit from our resident snoop, Hackett P. Dealsworth, dredging up some of the lesser-spotted P3 stories. So, Jonathan, you've just spent a fairly intensive week in New York interviewing a wide cross-section of the P3 industry. What are your key takeaways? Yeah, it was a brilliant week talking to all the different angles of the P3 industry. So I tried to canvas and really get a sense where everyone's at. And it is a really mixed picture depending what end of the P3 industry you're at. Because in the last year, the deal flow has been really, really tight. There's been a a lot of projects either sliding or falling over or not managing to get to the finish line, whether that's due to inflation, still putting pressure on pipelines. But at the same time, there's a lot of really bright green shoots in different areas of the industry. It's kind of emblematic of the whole system, which is it's 50 countries bundled together under one. So you're going to have lots of priorities in different jurisdictions and lots of different ways of doing things. And that's what the P3 industry is like in a normal time. But with IIJA in the backdrop, it's the same pushes and pulls are just on steroids. So when you talk about capacity and trying to upskill the public sector, you also have that mirrored in the private sector and trying to maintain good competition on being able to deliver these projects. Yes, and I think obviously you mentioned IIJA there, and I guess we're a few years into that now. It's only a five-year program, so I would imagine that's sort of really upping the ante in terms of how people are looking at that money coming through and what they need to do with it and how they can sort of get it into projects on the ground pretty quickly. Absolutely, and the good thing is you are seeing this funding flowing, and you are seeing lots of you know advisory tenders coming through and authorities work in their way. But as I was saying earlier on, that idea of trying to upskill and, and get used to the P3 model and get the P3 model as a viable option in the mindset of the public authorities, there's still a lot of work being done on that front. And also when somebody is taking those first steps, public authorities might have to change some legislation here and there or hire new people in their building who can manage P3 contracts. So there's a lot of learning to be done. But that learning is all with the backdrop of there is a huge amount of opportunity out there. And we're seeing authorities in all different sectors, whether that is really exciting pipelines in Tennessee in the horizontal industry or municipal infrastructure across the whole social sector, new technologies coming out, the energy transition and the way that risk can be absorbed into that. It's really exciting, but the same challenges remain. They're just on a heightened level. And I think for me, the big takeaway is the disparity between the P3 industry having a a lot of potential demand being put onto it and also the P3 industry reinventing itself in conversations around risk and applying the model to new sectors that don't have much precedence And being able to marry those two together to deliver on the promise that the P3 industry is kind of making to the public to say, we can deliver this transformational infrastructure. 
I think that is a really big focus of the industry. And it's great to have the last week talking to people and seeing how they're managing to deliver those promises. But the pressure does seem to be on at the moment. Yeah, and I think, obviously, you mentioned, you know, 50 different countries effectively bundled under the one. But it's more than that as well now, isn't it? Because I mean, we've talked about this, I think, for the past year at least, that there is a focus on smaller projects. And as part of that, there's a focus from different organizations, different authorities. So it's not no longer the case that all P3s are coming out of state DOTs. And you know, we were both actually in a meeting with the AIAI's board where they talked very clearly about the fact that there's a lot more interest from the sort of the mayoral level so that more cities are getting interested in how P3s can help them. So we're quite seeing that that slight change and that shift. And that's obviously then going to, as you say, talk, you know, talking about the, the capacity issues and the bringing in that level of education and bringing in the expertise and getting people to understand what P3 is at a different level. That's a whole other layer of work that I guess for many years in the US P3 market, it's not really been there because it's been focused at the state department level. And whereas now we're going into a lower strata effectively of the the different states and that opens up a lot of opportunities but also means there's a lot more conversations that need to be had with a lot of different people who maybe don't always understand what p3 is and and you you go through that process again absolutely and the type of projects that are going to be procured by the municipal level of authorities is so is totally different to what state dot is going to be doing but those you see thinking about colorado's housing pipelines and sectors like that there's lots of social infrastructure naturally with municipal stuff which the p3 industry has done in the past and it's a really strong vein and it's the sort of thing that can be done kind of at a quicker pace than a lot of the state dot's so there's a lot of interest in that we haven't seen that many deals get through that but it's in the early stages but it's definitely a really strong point but alongside the actual public authorities you've got these quasi public private like universities and now hospitals are coming out who are considering using it to overhaul their energy systems or bolster the capacity of their student housing. And these are really strong avenues because whilst they do fit into the P3 model as the public authority, they have a different structure to the public sector and the fact that they can be a little bit more executive, particularly I was talking to one person about hospitals saying these guys are used to investing sums of money to deliver outcomes so they can maintain to do their core products they're used to paying doctors you know maybe a million dollars a year so if you can see the outcome of we'll manage your energy system it's really clear and that's a really strong potential you know new sector for p3s yes and again just going back to that ai ai conversation that we had and steve dewitt who's on the board there and, and is also from acs one of the things he said was that he sees the industry becoming more entrepreneurial and you know, this is exactly going to that point that, that you've made around working in those sectors, working with organizations that are perhaps a bit more nimble in terms of how they can approach partnering the private sector. And we're really starting to see that through. And I think particularly things like the hospitals concept is a really exciting one, isn't it? Absolutely. And that entrepreneurial spirit, I think, is one of the really strong veins of the industry the ability for it to reinvent itself and apply itself and to evolve i think 
it's a really overriding theme of the last year. So this new scenario, whether that is, you know, the conversations around risk and the fact that inflation is is still persistent or new technologies being able to solve problems. I'm thinking about, you know, Glideways and the projects that they've recently won in California. There's lots of, as I said earlier, green shoots and, and potential avenues that are, are coming forward, as well as the traditional large-scale pipelines. I mean, North Carolina are thinking of doing more highway P3s as well. Illinois is looking promising. And all the while, you still have the big transit projects that have been working away, like Sepulveda and, and Inglewood in the background. So it can be easy to look at the industry and think, oh, deal flow's tight, there's not much going on. But when you look under the surface and you see the themes that are emerging, it's in a really strong place. But as I said at the beginning, there's a lot of work to be done to actually make that into these real projects because some authorities with the cash that they've got in view, many people told me that it's not as easy to see why they should go for P3s when they have these clear funding opportunities in the future. Obviously, the people in the industry see the benefits of P3s and it goes beyond just pure financing. But there's a lot of work that does still need to be done in convincing the authorities when P3s are the right tool to use that tool. So it's such it's in real flux, I think, the industry. It's trying to meet the promise that it made during IIJA, but it's a patchwork quilt. And there are calls for more standardization and some overarching bodies to try and help make sure that things progress in in the right way whether that's a dispute resolution thing there's a lot just a lot to be done yeah and i guess you know within that we can't really avoid the the issue of risk and, and obviously political risk i think you know our awards event happened the i think it was the same week as we had the announcement or the decision rather on um Calcasieu Bridge P3 being potentially completely ended. I think there's still some hopes from some in the industry that it can be somehow um, maintained or resurrected or, or whatever. But you know, clearly there the issue being around the politics involved in that particular state. And I'm sure that those kind of issues came up as well in many of your conversations. It did. And there's kind of two camps. Some people take a project like that as a knocking confidence of the industry whereas others are saying you know it's always been like this there's always been projects that can go sideways and that's just part of the p3 market is that that's part of working in a democracy is that things do change but as sandra mcquaid wrote on p3 bulletin a while ago that things are really heightened atmosphere in terms of politics and big projects can be lightning rods for politics at any point so I'm sure it it definitely is weighing on people's mind but you know you can't not deliver these projects and you need to have these projects come through because the infrastructure demands it and so it's all about I think the P3 just playing its role as best it can and trying to make sure that community buy-in is as as strong as possible because ultimately the public sector are the best ambassadors for these projects because they use it they need it and so we see plenty examples of P3s delivering on its promise and the more the P3 industry can kind of tell that story and show the benefits, I think the better that will be. Yeah. And again, one of the um, meetings that we did do together with Square Pattern Boggs, where we spoke with Carol Dennison there, who 
again, we talked about political risk because it always comes up. And But she made the very clear point that obviously one of the key issues is, you know, what happens if the project doesn't happen? And actually getting that story across to the public and the politicians of saying, well, look, you are going to have to spend X amount of money on this project, but what are the implications, both monetary, but also probably more importantly, socially to your community, if you don't take on this project and do this project. And I think Kalkash is probably a good example of that because the conversations that, again, that I know I was having and, and Sandra was having with people around this is that the likely outcome is if you don't go ahead with a P3 for this project, that you're going to get some kind of patch and mend situation going on for several years, which is just draining resources year after year without getting the new infrastructure that you actually need until you get to a point where you can no longer patch and mend anymore, at which point some money has to be found somewhere to create the new bridge anyway. So, you know, it comes back to, we've talked many times on this podcast and in print about High Speed 2 in the UK and the negative implications of not going ahead with that project, you know, are kind of fairly clear for lots of people to see. And yet, very often when it comes to the politicians, the decision is, well, I have to spend this money now or I can delay, defer, cancel and not have to spend that money. And it it looks kind of better for my short-term budget. Totally. And even to go one step further, a lot of the P3 projects or the big veins of P3 projects in the US are about replenishing aging infrastructure, which could be potentially dangerous to the society. You do see major bridges have real problems. I'm thinking of in, in Italy, there was that really big disaster a couple of years ago. And the impetus to replace this infrastructure is paramount to public safety. And P3s have like in with the PennDOT bundle and in Kalkasu offered a, a way for that infrastructure to be not just replaced, but also operated and maintained over the over the long term. So hopefully that thought process can filter its way through to decision makers and and that problem with Kalkasu won't have a massive impact on the potential future pipeline but it does remain to be seen but there is a larger political risk is one element of the risk conversation which has really been running through the industry and it was really interesting to see people's points about progressive p3s and and where the temperature is on that at the moment and you've got major projects and pipelines like GDOT who are pushing and pulling with the market to try and land in a place where everyone's happy and the progress is being made there. But all of that comes in that push and pull, which is the sign of a healthy market that things can develop and, and land in new places, which is definitely a good sign, is happening at a time when P3s need to be really accelerated in their actual delivery. So seeing that evolution take place whilst the demands are being put on the model and it being looked to, I think is, it's a tough nut to crack, basically. Yeah. And we've, again, we've talked before, haven't we, about Canada and particularly Ontario, where they have sort of infrastructure Ontario have come out with a whole raft of different types of model in an effort to, well, several things really to encourage the market, but also to find you know, the right kind of risk levels that the public sector should be taking on any given project. And I guess you can argue whether that's been successful or not, it may be too early to say, but we've seen a number of the, particularly the progressive 
projects coming out of Canada with perhaps only one bidder. So again, whether it's done what you'd want the market to do is still up for debate. Yeah. And a lot of the signals that I was getting last week was that we are in a slightly different risk environment now and the pendulum's slowing down or stopping swinging in, in certain areas. So that's definitely a positive. But the fundamental question is about trying to get contractors involved because over the last few years or 10 years, some have some contractors have said, you know what, these are extra complicated projects. There's plenty of work now with IIJA out there. So why should I do a P3? And that's been driving the conversation. So making sure that contractors get what they need and also the public sector gets what they need. That's obviously the challenge with any negotiation. And it's been interesting to see how different areas of the market approach that. But it looks like there's a lot of focus on GDOT on, and SR400 to get over the line. And that would be a big signal to other major pipelines which are earlier in the stage to see how things can get done and make sure that these projects get delivered for the public who need them. Yes, and I think particularly around those different kind of risk profiles and, and you know where contractors want to fit into that is going to be a big it is going to be a big challenge because as you say, you know, the, the IIJ money is flowing and producing opportunities and work all around the place. It doesn't have to necessarily be as complex or as all-consuming as a as a P three is, mm. I just wonder as well whether you know, how investors are, are seeing it, seeing the market. We have seen projects. The deal flow has been really tight. We've seen projects slide. So for investors, I think it's been difficult. But when you look at the long term, there is still really, really strong prospects. So the interest is still absolutely there. The money for infrastructure and you know over the pandemic, you saw a lot of new players be really interested in the sector. So there's a lot of money waiting to go into P3s as an alternate investment. And also the rise of hybrid P3s in the biogas sector and other assets that generate revenues, not through availability payments. As investors chase slightly higher returns, whilst inflation is still high, that's a really strong hotspot. And you know lots of funds are, are interested in getting into that space. And we are seeing more and more of those come out over the last year. So I think it's definitely not a money problem with P3s. It's just making sure they're set up in the right way. But this is all with the backdrop of time really is of the essence. And this golden opportunity, which promised to be transformational, needs to be delivered on. So there's lots of conversations that need to be happening in the industry to make sure all the pipes connect. But the time for conversation is kind of running short too. It's fascinating. Well, it's now time to catch up with our resident Snoop Hackett P. Dealsworth to see what's been happening behind the headlines. It's been a while, so what have you been seeing, Hackett? Hello, Paul. Well, I've been travelling about a bit. First up, I've been taking a look at what's going on in Saudi Arabia, and it's pretty stunning. I've heard of architects' plans for a hotel to be bored into the side of a mountain, much to the consternation of the engineers who have to make it work. Plus, there's the massive Project Neom taking shape. Ah, uh, yes, Neom. It's quite the mega project, isn't it? Did you get any insight on the deal for new workforce housing that has been agreed? Funny you should mention that. I did hear that originally those buildings were going to be called labour camps. It was no doubt a translation issue, but happily the international advisors on board were able to change the name. Yeah, well, on a serious note, that perhaps shows the importance and benefit of using some international advisors on such projects. 
as they're able to point out such potential issues. Indeed, Paul. We just don't tell US Republican Senator Frank nicely. As we've discussed previously, he's already warned that Mussolini was a fan of P3s. Yes, probably best we move on then. Where else have you been, Hackett? Well, I've had a nice and productive time in Miami, as it happens. Are we paying you too much? Oh no, if strictly professional capacity, this is all for work, Paul. Okay, tell me more then. Well, in July it was revealed that Miami-Dade County's lawmakers had realised too late that they needed to renew the region's gas tax for another 30 years. As a result, the tax won't renew now until the 1st of January 2024, resulting in $18 million in lost revenue. And some very happy drivers, I'm guessing. Maybe Miami-Dade would benefit from more toll roads where the private sector can look after the money and make sure long-term investment can be provided. Well, I also did come across talk of one P3 in Miami, as it happens. Oh yes, what's that? Have you heard of the uh, soccer star, Lionel Messi? You mean the most successful footballer of modern times, multiple European Cup winner and captain of the Argentina side that won the World Cup last winter? According to the city of Fort Lauderdale, his arrival as into Miami FC's biggest star is down to a P3 between the city and the soccer club. Mm, I'm not sure that's quite the type of public-private partnership we usually cover, Hackett. Maybe not, but I thought that if we could get him on the front page of the website, it might boost ratings. Maybe if you can get an interview with him discussing the impact of political risk on the ability to deliver new infrastructure in states across the US, that could work. Yeah, I'll see what I can do about that, boss. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks, Hackett and Jonathan. See you soon.